0: Welcome to the Marian Message, presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week, we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Here's what I want to encourage you today He's not done. He's not. Period's not at the end of the sentence. Have no clue how long you might have to wait for it. We're going to look at one today that it took 25 years for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Think about it. I've said it before and I've said it so often. We live in a McDonald's drive through window world, we want it yesterday. I, was, I, I experienced that just the other day. I had to go by and get my little grandson a Happy Meal. You know, that's sort of what grandpas do. Alicia, what's your thing doing over here, yo? Falling down and just whatever. But anyway, so I was in there. Only one in line. I thought this was going to be quick. Give my order. Pull up. Pay, get to the second window, and the lady looks at me, kid you know and says, "Now what did you order?" Kids happy meal. Chicken nuggets. whatever every kid in America loves. Ten minutes later, I finally got to leave. But we want it now. Faith is hard, isn't it? Let's just be honest. Faith is hard. And it's really hard when biblically we're called to do what? To walk by faith and not by sight. And so this thing that we grasp and that we hold on to, sometimes in the darkness gets really hard. One writer said this, God honors us by the greatness of his tests. Listen to what he said, God honors us. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through a test, I don't feel like I'm being honored. And so as I read that and I stopped right there, I said, what are you saying? And then I read the second half of the sentence. Little furnaces are for little faith. Big furnaces are for big faith. So what he's saying there is this writer, he's saying, listen, that when you go through the deepest, darkest valleys of your life, man, God is saying this about you, you got big faith. Whether you know it or not, your faith is big. How many of us feel that way in the midst of it? I wonder if Abraham, in the middle of his waiting for his child and Sarah, they would have said they had big faith. We're going to look at it when I get to point two about how they faltered in their faith at times. But aren't you glad that the one who called you is faithful? And it's not based upon us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 9 calls Abraham a man of faith. Yet we know that when he went to Egypt... He said, I want you to lie to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell me you're my sister. We all have those times when we falter. Then we go over and we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and and verse 2. And it says, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. So there's something about your life and my life, each one of our lives, not about the life of somebody else. You cannot, listen, in your walk with Jesus, you cannot point the finger at someone else and expect them to do what God has called you to do. He's never called someone to salvation that he did not also call to service in some manner. Hear that clearly. And so it tells us, Scripture says, it is required of you. So here's my thought as we barely get into this and scratch the surface. What has he called you to do? And are you being a good steward what he's implanted inside of you? It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. What has he called you to? What what has that small, still voice told you? What has he promised you? You see, it was back there in in Mesopotamia that he called this man named Abram and his wife Sarah and said to these words, One day I'm going to give you a baby. And by the way, I'm going to give you children upon children upon children upon children like you won't believe. Can you not imagine the joy on Abraham and Sarah at that moment when Abram's 75 years old and, and Sarah, Abraham's 75 and Sarah is 65 and the joy, I mean, she's been barren for all these years and Abraham has no descendants and so what a great day that had to have been and then years went by. Nothing And so Sarah begins to take things into her own hands, and Abraham goes along with her at times, and then nothing. But then, if you get to the Scripture in Genesis, Abraham its really, you get this picture, it's a really hot day in in Canaan, and and he's sitting there, and these guys walk up, one I believe being the pre-incarnate Christ. And he makes this statement, next year when I come back, your wife's going to have a baby boy. Can you picture, oh, Abraham, who's 99 at the time, going, yeah, right. Now, you may say, well, he didn't say that. No, he laughed at first. And so did Sarah. But they stayed faithful. So how did this happen? How did someone who was 100 years old and she be at 90 have a kid? Let's find out. Stand at the reading of God's word. Out of honor and respect. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful. Can I just ask you this question? Do you consider God faithful? And that ought to just cut you to the core. Do you consider God faithful? Who had promised? Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Father, God, help us to understand the power of faith You tell us in Scripture that if we have the, the faith of a mustard seed, we can tell this mountain to jump into the water. We can tell this to this. If it's just the size of a microscopic mustard seed, Lord, help us to understand what you're saying. In the name of Jesus, amen. Man, the power of faith. Can God still do things? Is God's arm too short now? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Then why do we live like it? Why do we live like somehow his power is reduced? Why do we live like he's not able to do something in our life that he could do in the lives of Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and all those forefathers? Why do we not have the faith to believe that God can do anything that he's promised? Let's look at some power here. Number one, we see received power. I've really tried to pull every point. Right from this scripture, man. It's just too. So listen to what it says. By faith, Sarah herself did what? Received power. So that there means a something that God offered it and she received it. I believe sometimes God offers things for you and I and we refuse to receive it. Because we don't want to do what God wants us to do. We think we know more than Almighty God. We think we're smarter than God. And so when God comes a knocking to tell us what he wants and tell us what he's going to do, sometimes I believe we're like, Nope. Because I don't want to do that. I don't believe that. But yet, Sarah, being 89 years old at the time, received the power. When those guys walked up and said, next year, this time, she's going to have a kid. Something happened in that moment. Now, the word power there, we know we get our, the word dunamis, which we get our word dynamite. Do you know that they would have had no idea what dynamite is? That's a very poor, outside of just saying we get our word from it, but it's a very poor representation of what they would have gotten out of it. They would not have known what dynamite is. Here's what they would have known it as. Here's the definition. Strength. I love the second part, miraculous power. Something that is inexplainable, something that is unexplainable, something that goes beyond the mind's comprehension. It just, it drives me at times bonkers that people want to argue about the things of the Lord. And they go, well, who's ever heard of such thing? Nobody. That's why it could be from the Lord. We've gotten so smart and so refined and so cultured, especially in America, that we want to put God and his abilities in a box and anything outside of that box, we want to call false doctrine or heresy or there's no possible way. When there's no possible way, that's when God shows up. This woman was 90 years old. He was 100 it's not like the earlier times in Genesis where they were living to be a, um, 900 or 700 when they had kids well on into their third. No, they were living to be about 120, and this man was 100 years old. Last word, and that is ability. I've given you all the quotes about God. Is his arm too short? Does he not have the ability? Does he not have the strength? Does he he no longer have miraculous power to do the unthinkable, to do the unimaginable, to do the miraculous? They both needed this miraculous ability. They both needed the touch of the Master. So we see that power was defined and then power demonstrated. He gave them this promise. When they were still in Mesopotamia at age of 75 and 60, he says, You're gonna have a kid, and gonna be and it's gonna be great. You're gonna have this sentence like the sand on the sea. And then year after year went on. But then one day it happened. How? Well, here's how. God allowed it. God did it. Listen. I'm going to touch on this for about 45 seconds, okay? This was not the immaculate conception, okay? We all know how kids are made. When a daddy really loves mama, crazy things happen. You may say, we find it funny. But listen, the word there, the root of the word, the power to conceive, the word literally translated means to lay down conception. We read down here in verse 12 that he was as good as dead. I'm going to read in a little bit that she was as good as dead. Their their, 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 uh, birthing parts of their body were no longer where they should be and how they should be. How did it work then? god he gave them the power to conceive so that this baby was special it could not they could not say well we finally got over our barrenness y'all they couldn't go down to the store and she couldn't have surgery they couldn't go down to the fertility bank and get some drugs to make her fertile they could not do any of those things it was all a work of god because she was flat barren And there was nothing they could do but pray. But you know, I I think about, I I don't know if this story works or not, I think it does. But sometimes it's so easy to say something, but then when you're proven to be right, it's what you said now has more meaning, right? Go to Mark chapter 2. You know the story. When we return to Capernaum, this is Mark 2, verse 1. It was reported that he was at home. There was excitement around Jesus. Can can I ask a question about our church? Where's the excitement for Jesus anymore? Where's the excitement for bringing in the lost? And I'm starting with Hank. What what happened to that excitement we had at one time? We've gotten so, I believe, around here. We don't worry about the lost so much. We worry about who's doing this and who's doing that and what they're doing and how they're doing it different than me and this and that. Instead of, man, when God's in the house, you can't keep people away. I've been struggling with that thought since this morning, early morning. Just going for a minute, I just look around and I see people that I know are healthy. I know they're busy because I see their Facebook and their Instagram and all that, and yet here comes Sunday morning. Just don't ever see them anymore. Where's your personal excitement for Jesus? No, no, no. You before somebody says something, you don't have to come to church. But by God, you ought to want to come to church. I'm just, I'm serious. You ought to want to come to church. Nobody should, and I'm tired of begging and pleading. And I feel like I've been doing that for a bunch of months now. Y'all should come. Come on. By God, why aren't you here? I don't want to hear all this stuff. Well, it's the only day I get to sleep in. You got Saturday. Preacher, you act like you're mad. I am mad. You're not late for work. You're not late when it's time to go to the lake. You're not late when it's time to go on vacation. You're not late when they say it's food time. But church, I mean, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Yeah, it hurts my heart when people aren't here. I give a rip about the numbers. I'm more concerned about people. And I've heard every excuse in the book. First, I'm told, well, preacher, you ought to write notes. So I've been writing notes left and right. Preacher, you ought to be reaching out during the week and texting. I've been reaching out and texting throughout the week. Nothing changes. Nothing. Until Jesus Christ gets hold of your heart. And he becomes preeminent. Preeminent. I'm going to quit begging. When Jesus was in the house, they gathered together. Listen to this. There was no more room, not even at the door. And those visitors here, y'all, we just had a family squabble. I'm sorry. It happens. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And they could not get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him and they made an opening to let down the bed in which a paralytic lay. I really would love to preach this right here today. Because, man, do you understand what these people, they cared about this man. You know what we don't anymore? We don't care about people. I know some of you gonna sit there and say, oh, you don't know me. I know this. You could care less if they go to hell or not. What do you mean, preacher? I want everybody to go to heaven. Well, then what are you doing about it? What are you doing? No, no, no. You want to point a finger at me, and you want to point a finger at Drew, and you want to point a finger at our deacons, and you guys ought to be doing it. No, what is your part of it? Because the last time I read the Great Commission, it just said, Go. When was the last time you shared your faith? When was the last time you did everything in your power, even picking up some old boy to bring them? And look what happened when Jesus saw their faith. Not the faith of the crippled man, that just got loud. <laughs> the faith of the four that brought him. He said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Easy to say, isn't it? Made the Pharisees mad. Now, some of the scribes are sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who could forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise up, take your bed, and walk? But so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, and went home. It was easy to say, you're going to have a kid someday. But then ultimately, he demonstrated it for everybody to see. This woman that was barren her whole life, toward the very end of it, when her body was as good as dead, God demonstrated the fact that he was God. That's a good way to put that. And she was given a child. But she had to receive that power too. God did not God expect you to do anything he called you to without equipping you with the power to do it. See, some of you think you got to do it. on your. No, 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 no. God says, I'm going to call you and then I'm going to provide everything you need to do it. What a glorious and great and mighty God. But then here's why she could receive power because she reckoned him as faithful. I love that statement there. Go back to Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter eleven. By faith herself, by faith Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful. Man, I'm gonna make two major statements right here. If you're taking notes, you want to write these down. They're gonna be up on the screen right there. Here's the truth: when God makes you a promise, He is obliged at that moment, to fulfill it. Let it sink in. When God makes you a promise, at that moment, he has obliged himself to see it through. He cannot make you a promise and then shirk on it. He cannot make you a promise and then not make sure it's fulfilled or then he's no longer God. God. When God says it, he says, listen, I'm not giving you a time frame, but I'm telling you this. I am God, and I will bring it to fruition no matter how long it takes to get there. They waited 25 years. And here's the second major statement. It's not about the promise. It's all about the promised promiser. Why could she reckon him? And that's a, that's a mathematical statement there, word there, reckoned. It's, it has that connotation of being a counter, that she had counted up everything that made him God, and she said, you know what? He has the ability to see this through. So although at times, I'm going to think it's not going to work, and at times, I've put myself out there and just flat-blown it, at times, he's still God on the throne, and he'll still see it through. We get in problems when we forget that point. You see, they, they, weren't about, they weren't always showing um, their faith. I told you when, when he first came and he said it to Sarah that day, the Bible says she laughed within herself. Abraham has laughed. And then, oh, then, oh, Sarah, at one point, she finally said, listen, God seems to be struggling to get this done. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take my maid, Hagar, and have us a child through her. Well, can I tell you what happened with them children? They just bombed Israel yesterday. We all get jacked up when America goes to war, and we should. You better pay attention to that. That's where it all going to stem from. You just read your Bibles, read Ezekiel, just keep your eyes open. Flip over to Romans chapter 4. Why, can, why do I say that you are a, a, this about the promised promiser? Because when we are faithless, he is faithful. He, he never forgotten those 25 years. God never one time said, you know what? I made that a promise to that Abraham and Sarah. What was it? Oh, it was about some kid? They don't need no kid. Do you know that's outside of his character and he cannot live outside of his character? He cannot. Never. So the moment he said that, listen, the moment he told them there in Mesopotamia, you're going to have a kid, they should have started building a baby room. Listen to Romans. This is all about this same picture right here. If you start at verse 13, but I'm not going to do that. I just want to give you the context here in verse 18. He said, And hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he has been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in his faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Hey, at some point, God's going to do this. We got to keep trying. So what it says. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Now, you ought to underline and highlight this in your Bible because it's underlined and highlighted in mine. Listen to what it says. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. What is it in your life? You. Not... Listen, I believe there's something in our church that he's called us to do as a church body. But I'm asking you individually, what's he called you to do individually that you need to consider him faithful to what he's promised? What, where is it that you need to literally step out, like I talked about the other, last week in the early morning about Peter. Where is it that you need to step out in faith saying, God, all I know is this, is that you are the one who promised it and you're faithful. See, it's we can have this faith. Uh, Bruce uses this illustration of a guy who used to go over um, Niagara Falls on a tightrope, and he was so good. I mean, he carried everything. And he said one time he stopped midway with a stove. I don't know how this worked, but he cooked himself breakfast. That's weird. But anyway, so he did all this, and everybody's going, "Oh, you're the greatest! You're the greatest! You're the greatest! You're the greatest!" And so finally, he said, "All right, here's the wheelbarrow. Who's getting in?" See, that's when it really shows if you have faith in God. Are you willing to get in God's wheelbarrow and let him take you to where he's promised to give you with nothing but faith? You can't see it, but you can trust it. That's what he's saying right there. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Well, here's what they did. I'm gonna work, we're going to start from, from what they did, and I'm going to tell you the reason why. I just came up with this. This was sort of fun as I was writing this. Here's what they did. Number one, they tried him. In other words, they keep trying to have a kid. They tried him. Even at that late stage of life. Because... They trusted him. So they trusted him. That's a great thought. But why would they have trusted him? Because they took him at his word. When you don't take this as God's word, and by the way, it is under attack today. I want to make sure one more time for clarity. Everybody knows where Hank Mehta stands. This is the inerrant, infallible, unchanging Word of God. It does not evolve to fit your lifestyle. It does not evolve to fit fit your wants. It is God's Word. If Jesus tarries for a thousand more years, this will still be the only Bible. I mean, there are parts about this Bible that, man, Hank Meadows just fights against. But Hank Meadows is not right. God is right. Hank's just a sinner. Forgiven. They trusted his word. I was talking with a guy this week, and um, it was just a God moment, really. It was God put together. And he said to me this, he said, well, Pastor Hank, he said, what I really want, man, in my life is, man, to walk closer and in more power with God. I just thought it was funny he used that word. He didn't know anything about this sermon. That's what he said. And I said, then let me tell you the secret. I've got the secret sauce, brother. He said, all right. I said, it's God's word. And this look on his face, I began. I think he thought, sort of like, you remember the story of Naaman? You know, Elisha said, go dunk yourself seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be healed of your leprosy. And and Naaman got mad because he didn't give him something great to do. This old boy was looking at me like, seriously, that's it? Seriously, that's it? I'm going to tell you the same thing. You want more power of the Lord in your life? Then get more of this Word in your life. Just memorize it. We, we, we give you a memory verse every month. If you realize, if you remember just one memory verse per month, that's 12 a year, and you're going, well, that's not a lot. Man, if you live many, many, many years, you can get on up there in verses that you know. In the hundreds. But here's what I told him, and this is what I would tell you. You just find your Get get along with God's word, man. Find you a, a book of the Bible. You're gonna start with it. My Atlanta, don't start Leviticus. I love the book, man. I love the book, but don't. And I even I said go to the New Testament. Start there, man. Start in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, or First John. Don't start in Romans either. That's deep stuff, y'all. Start where you can get that firm foundation. I said, and when you begin, you read. I don't care. I said, I don't care if you read a verse, two verses, a chapter. I don't care, but have something beside you to write down so that when you read it and listen, God speaks. See, he speaks through his word. And when you're in his presence and you're silent, you'll hear him speak to your heart. You just jot down what he says. I said, and nobody else needs to ever see this book, just you and God. You can write down your hurts to that point. You can write down what you think God is saying. You can write down whatever, but you write it down and watch yourself grow. And here's what he said to me. I'm going to do it. Now I got no clue whether he is or not. Because, see, I'm not involved in that. I'm going to encourage him. But I'm never going to say, hey, man, you doing that? I'm going to say, hey, man, I hope you are. Here's what I hope for you guys you'll do it too. Begin to read. Because when you take him at his word, you'll trust all of his promises. Let me give you the last thing. These are going to be quick. The results are amazing. See, when you go by faith, you'll receive power and you'll reckon him faithful and then you'll see that the results are amazing. From that dude and that dudette, both as good as dead, has come the entire Jewish nation. You ever stop to think about that? See, the Bible will say that they're all, God, all Abraham's children. This dude has children upon children. Every Jew born is a result of Abraham and Sarah's faith. Think about that. Because when they were as good as dead, God was faithful. Here's some truths that guide your life. I'm going to go through them real quick. Turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. Now the rich story, the rich young ruler, and and he's gone off and and God because I'm I'm building something here. You remember the rich young ruler came and and he said, God, how can I inherit eternal life? Great question. He came to he listen. He came to the right man with the right question at the right time, but he went away sad because he had a lot of money. And look at at verse 23. The Bible says this, Mark chapter 9 verse 23. The Bible says this, and Jesus said, if you can, he's talking about the others. All things are possible for him who believe. Now this sort of has a, a financial connotation to it. But all things are possible. Go over to Matthew now. Chapter 19. Just one book to the left. Matthew 19. Wait a minute, that wasn't about the rich young ruler. This is a rich young ruler. Sorry. That was about health. Sorry. That's what you... God just sort of humbled me right there in front of everybody. That wasn't about the rich young girl. This is. This is when he said this. But when Jesus looked at him said, With man this is is impossible. With God all things are possible. Now I want to take you to the very last one. This is going to ring so true. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 End of the prayer Paul is writing this now to him who is able Yes and amen to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think You ever listen to what he just said he said he's able to do far more than you could ever ask or think. Do you understand how much power we're not getting in our life and the things we're not doing? When it, God says, man, you can, the things I want to do through the life of the believer, through the life of the local church, which is the body of believers, it's not this building. The temple of God is inside of you. He says, there are things I want to do, but will you receive the power and reckon me as faithful? Every Sunday morning, I ask God to send people. People ask me all the time, when are you going to be satisfied, Hank, when I draw my last breath? I had the enemy, and I let the enemy put some really bad thoughts in my mind right before this service. About whether I should be your pastor or not. Just y'all know me; I'm just sort of open. Don't know one might come out to me afterwards and say, "Oh, no, no, no. don't." I'm not saying it for that. I believe God's got great things in mind for this church, for this body of believers. But for whatever reason here lately, man, we've held back. We've let personal agendas and personal attacks and personal this and personal that. and You, you hear what I'm saying? Personal, personal, personal. Per- it's not about you. It's surely not about me. It's all about God. And as your pastor, I think I've let us fall away from that for too long. So that's shame on Hank. We have to focus solely on Jesus. Now, to some of y'all, you're not going to like this part. That means bringing people with you. That means bringing people, being willing to share, filling this place. Somebody, oh, yo, here we go. Oh, It's always about numbers. Atlanta, how else can you grow the kingdom of God if you don't have more numbers? Words of Jerry follow every number represents a soul. I'm going to make you this promise as your pastor today. I'm bringing somebody with me next week. I'm going to find somebody Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to share my faith with. And I'm going to bring somebody with me next week. I want to ask you this. Are you willing to do the same? I'm telling you, God wants to do something miraculous here. Matter of fact, I want to say this. God wants to do something miraculous at Concord. At so, so, so nobody thinks that it's just about here. He wants to do it at Samuel Harris, at Chatham Baptist, at um, what other, uh, the Chatham Presbyterian, Chatham Episcopal. He wants to do something miraculous at every church. But we're here. And I want to lead you in that focus of we focus it all. We have the reckoning that he is able to do. You see, he promised to build his church. Oh, you thought I was just making this up. He promised to build his church. I'm asking God to be faithful to that promise. I'm not naming it and claiming it, but I'm writing my name beside of it. John MacArthur said this. Faith sees the invisible. Hears the inaudible. Touches the intangible. And accomplishes the impossible. That's where we need to be. Faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, touches the intangible, accomplishes the impossible. Church, there's power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. He wants that power to flow through you. Question is Will you be just like Sarah and reckon him as faithful? Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.